get some sleep, but not too much because the general election begins right now. Now? Already? Had any sleep in I two years. Right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast and Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. New Orleans, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, whether you've got sleep or not. This is the Bradcast, and I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Well, Republican candidate Arthur Jones, a Holocaust denier, will be the GOP's nominee in a suburban Chicago U.S. House congressional district. After he ran in Tuesday's primary in Illinois unopposed, Jones's campaign website contains a section called the Holocaust Racket, in which he argues there is, quote, no proof such a so-called Holocaust ever took place anywhere in Europe against the Jews. And the Jews are, quote, directly responsible for the murder of at least 300 million people. Jones in February told the Chicago Sun-Times that he is a former leader of the American Nazi Party. That's right. An actual Nazi has won the Republican nomination for U.S. House in Illinois on Tuesday. The uh, state Republican Party has disavowed his candidacy. Uh, Yet, because the GOP decided against running any candidate in the uh, heavily uh, Democratic district where Jones ran and Jones successfully met the criteria to make the ballot, he will, in fact, be the Republican Party's nominee this November. That creepy news may be among the best of the news for progressive Democrats after Tuesday's midterm primary elections in the great state of Illinois. Uh, Yeah, maybe I'm uh, overstating it a bit, but a number of the candidates that progressives were pulling for in primaries against more establishment Democrats and in at least one case against a hard right wing Democrat who's damn near a Republican that progressives had hoped to remove from Congress altogether. 
Um, most of the uh, progressives got shut out on Tuesday by some uh, some of them by very thin margins, according to the reported results. But once again, as usual, we have questions about those reported results in at least one county, DuPage, a very Republican suburban district. They were unable to count ballots pretty much at all last night, thanks to the failure that uh, seems to have affected all of its paper ballot optical scan computers at the precinct on Tuesday. We'll be joined momentarily to discuss what the hell happened there with one of the candidates who was on the ballot in DuPage on uh, Tuesday, who was on the ballot, uh, and who also happens to be a longtime election integrity advocate. Uh, we'll also be joined by our old friend Howie Klein of Down With Tyranny a little bit later to discuss what happened on Tuesday in Illinois. What happened and didn't happen for progressives um, in in the uh, Illinois primary. And if there is any good news out of the land of Lincoln there today uh, for uh, progressives at all. Democrats in general, however, should be happy. Uh, there was a big bump in turnout on Tuesday in Illinois. We'll talk about that as well in a bit. But first, overnight, a very dramatic conclusion at least we hope it's a conclusion for the Austin, Texas serial bomber story that we discussed in some detail yesterday following the fifth bomb that was detonated at a uh, FedEx facility near San Antonio before the package was to head to Austin. It was also sent from there as well. The uh, first of the two bombs killed two people and seemed to be targeting minorities. The first two package bombs were received by African-Americans, the third by a Latino well, in a dramatic ending with the help of some uh, quick law enforcement work, we may now have an ending of sorts to that bomb spree that had left Austin on edge since the beginning of March. The uh, SWAT team was closing in on the suspected bomber in the early morning hours on Wednesday. The suspected bomber whose deadly explosives had terrorized Austin for uh, the last three weeks or so. Uh, as the team closed in, the bomber used one of the devices to blow himself up. But police warned that he could have planted more bombs before his death, so they have cautioned the city to stay on guard. Mark Anthony Condit, an unemployed 23-year-old college dropout, had been tracked down using store surveillance video, cell phone signals, and witness accounts of a strange-looking customer making purchases while wearing a disguise that included a blonde wig and gloves. Police finally found him at a hotel in a suburb just north of Austin early on Wednesday. They prepared to move in when the uh, suspect's sport utility vehicle began to drive away. Authorities gave chase. Condit ran into a ditch on the side of the road, and when SWAT officers approached, that's when he detonated a bomb inside the vehicle, um, which killed him. His motive for the bombing remains a mystery still at this hour. Authorities did not immediately say whether he acted alone in the five bombings in the Texas Capitol. Investigators released few details about Condit except for his age and that he was white. White? What? Not an Islamic extremist? Not one of those dangerous immigrants we've heard so much about? Neighbors say that Condit was homeschooled. He later attended Austin Community College uh, until 2012, but he did not graduate. In posts dating back to 2012, 
Um, he uh, was uh, some uh, blog items that he uh, a, a guy by the name of Mark Condit of a, of suburban Pflugerville, which is where he lived, uh, identified himself as a quote conservative. In a blog that was linked to a college class he appeared to be taking at the time, he said, I am not politically inclined. I view myself as a conservative, but I don't think I have enough information to defend my stance as well as it should be defended. He said, I am taking this class because I want to understand the U.S. government. I hope that it will help me clarify my stance and then defend it, he wrote. He also wrote that gay marriage should be illegal. He called for the elimination of sex offender registrations. He argued against abortion. He argued in favor of the death penalty. So, yeah, he was a right winger, a white domestic right winger. Go figure. Who knew they uh, remained the greatest terror threat in this country? Apparently, Donald Trump didn't. He hadn't said anything at all about the bombings for the past three weeks until he was finally asked about it on uh, on Tuesday and forced to mention it, describing who was ever behind the bombings as obviously a very sick individual. On gay marriage, Condit wrote, uh, homosexuality is not natural. Just look at the male and female bodies. They're obviously designed to couple. Uh, he compared homosexuality to bestiality, pe- pedophilia. Uh, but a neighbor who watched Condit grow up said he always seemed like he was uh, smart and polite. Everyone seems to say he seemed like a normal kid. Uh, so they don't know what happened. They don't know why he decided to go on this bombing spree. Um, but uh, he did, and now he has been uh, both caught and apparently killed by one of his own devices. Oddly enough, Donald Trump has uh, yet to call for further restricting our immigration laws or building a wall on the border or attacking any foreign countries, as he tends to do when similar events are carried out by anybody who even remotely appears to be Muslim or pledges allegiance to ISIS or might be an immigrant to our country. But uh, the uh, people in Austin can hopefully soon rest much easier. All right. And with that, let's head back up to Illinois, where voters went to the polls for the primaries on Tuesday. Howie Klein will be here to discuss uh, those results with us in a bit. But first, what happened in DuPage County, Illinois, on Tuesday night, where the computerized paper ballot opscan systems appear to have failed at some 265 precincts? Gene Kaczmarek, longtime election integrity champion and uh, a candidate on the ballot in DuPage on uh, Tuesday. She joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the broadcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I was actually hunting down problem reports for uh, from voters and, and for voting systems on Tuesday night as they were coming out of the Illinois midterm primary uh, on Tuesday night. And I was actually somewhat encouraged. I was not seeing a lot of trouble being reported 
in the second in the nation midterm primaries in Illinois. The first was last week in Texas. Uh, of course, uh, problems, as I always say on the show, you know, with voting systems and election results, a lot of times I have to caution that those problems don't necessarily begin to come to light until some days uh, or sometimes weeks or even months after the election. But in general, things were looking pretty good on election night in Illinois until, well, as the Daily Herald reported late last night, a technical problem with closing hundreds of electronic voting machines. Actually, they were computer tabulators, paper ballot optical scanners, not voting machines per se. Uh, a technical problem with closing hundreds of electronic voting machines hampered the DuPage County, Illinois Election Commission's ability to count ballots on Tuesday night. Despite what officials describe as a, quote, rigorous pre-election testing of the ballot tabulation equipment and the tabulation process, officials said difficulties occurred when they tried to close optical scan machines and get results at the end of the night at some precincts. As a result, bipartisan teams of judges had to go around the entire county and bring in about 265 voting machines from the precincts to the Election Commission office to tabulate the results. Vote totals from the first precincts weren't reported until 10 p.m., a full three hours after voting ended, and by 11 p.m., only 49% of the votes had been counted at all. According to the DuPage County Election Results website, the ballots have now finally been tabulated as of today. Accurately or not, we cannot know unless someone bothers to actually check those hand-marked paper ballots uh, that are used in DuPage to make sure that the computer scanners actually tabulated them correctly, but we have results, accurate or otherwise. Despite testing before election night, the Daily Herald reports, officials said the problems weren't discovered until Tuesday. So how could that happen? Why did the machines work just fine, apparently, before election day when they were tested, but not on election day? What changed? DuPage County Board Chair Dan Cronin said in a statement released on Facebook last night, I have been in contact with the DuPage County Election Commission and am assured your voting results are secure and forthcoming. Well, I feel better. However, he says the commission has failed the voters of DuPage once again with their inability to provide timely election results. This is not acceptable, said Cronin. DuPage was using a new system for reporting election night results on Tuesday, for reporting those on the web. But that system, according to the Daily Herald, was uh, supposed to make viewing election results more interesting on the web, customizable, headache-free, etc., according to officials. Uh, but that is separate. That was separate from the actual problem that apparently uh, was discovered with the optical scan systems at the polling place. The county uh, had bought the new reporting system for the web after a another glitch, a separate problem caused its website to slow down during last April's election and prevented some residents from being able to re to uh, view results. But sources said the problem with the voting tabulation system that brought the entire process to a halt on Tuesday night were with so-called ender cards that are used to close the machines out and not with the not with the new system for reporting results on the web. 
Ender cards. Not memory cards, mind you. The, those are the programmable cards, sort of like thumb drives in your computers uh, that are programmed for each election with the candidates and their positions on the ballot. And then those memory cards also store the results that are tabulated throughout the day at the precinct as those hand-marked paper ballots are scanned through it. The Ender cards, that's something else. So uh, what went wrong here in DuPage County, which is a very Republican-leaning county, by the way, where they've otherwise been using these very same Diebold optical scanners that didn't work all of a sudden on Tuesday night. They have been using them for years. So what went wrong? Here to help us to try to make sense of what went wrong, if we should be concerned about the results being reported today, and if the same thing could happen again this November in the general election. Here to help us to figure all of that out is one of the candidates who was also on Tuesday night's ballot in DuPage. Jean Kaczmarek is formerly a member of the Illinois Ballot Integrity Project. She's a very longtime government watchdog in DuPage County, Illinois. She is now a candidate for county clerk of DuPage County, having won 100 percent of the votes in the Democratic primary on Tuesday night as the only Democrat running for county clerk, at least according to the Diebold optical scan system. Gene Kaczmarek, welcome back to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. It has uh, been a long time. First, I guess uh, congratulations are in order, even though you were the only uh, only one on the Democratic primary ballot for DuPage County Clerk in Illinois. Thank you very much. It's, it's a thrill. Who, who will you be running against this November? And, and did he have a challenger on the Republican side on Tuesday? That would be the incumbent, Paul Hines. He's the current comedy clerk, and no, he did not have an opponent. But guess what? I got 8,000 more votes than him yesterday. <laughs> yes, I noticed that. And, uh, of course, that's according to these uh, machines, which who knows if they're accurate or not. But uh, can we read anything into the fact that you got more than uh, that? You got 8,000 more votes than than he did in, uh, am I right in, in describing DuPage as a very Republican uh, uh, area in Illinois? I'm sure that this has uh, taken the Republican Party here by surprise. Uh, all the Democrats did very well yesterday. Uh, people were pulling more Democratic ballots than Republican ballots. In, uh, in Illinois, you have to choose during the primary whether or not you want a Republican or Democratic ballot. Mm-hmm. And so we saw a lot more people choosing Democrat than would normally mm-hmm. in, in DuPage. Uh, all right. Well, good luck on that race. And I'll give information on uh, how people can uh, uh, contact you, support you, et cetera, in, in a moment here. But you have been watchdogging and, and hounding, frankly, the, uh, the DuPage County Board and the DuPage County Election Commission out there for years as an election integrity advocate. Uh, with the Illinois Ballot Integrity Project and just as a citizen in general. So what do we know about what happened on Tuesday that brought all of the counting in DuPage to a halt and resulted in, what, all 265 Diebold paper ballot computer scanners having to be rounded up from the precincts and brought back to county uh, headquarters in the middle of the night to count results? Well, I was at home. Uh, I was about ready to go out to an event, mm-hmm. uh, celebrate, and I thought, well, I'm just going to wait until the results come in and I'll have something to celebrate about. And so I was like a lot of people sitting in front of the screen, waiting, waiting, 
and waiting, and then I started to get some texts from people that I know that were poll watchers at the closings around uh, DuPage County. Mm-hmm. And all the texts were saying the same message, that the Ender cards, which an Ender card is like a paper ballot that's blank, mm-hmm. and it says Ender card in big bold letters on it, and it's got some barcoding on it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of election night, when you're when you're ready to close out, you feed that into the machine after everyone has voted and the poll is closed. You feed that into the machine, and then that tells the machine, okay, we're done, and we're ready to uh, publish the, the results on the tape. And and you broke up well, just a li- you broke up just a little bit there, Gene. So let me repeat that. You, you take these Ender cards, you run them through the op scan, and that basically tells the computer. No more ballots are coming. You can now uh, close out the election and print out the results. It's actually a very simple procedure, and and you don't really think too much about it. You put it in. Well, they weren't going in. The the there was a new um, uh, Ender card uh, printed for this year for this election, and it was uh, on thick paper stock that would not work and could not be accepted by the machine. And this happened at precincts all over DuPage County. They could not close out the uh, the, the, the op-scan system at the end of the night because the Ender card would not go through, was being rejected? Right, that's my understanding. And most people do vote on paper on Election Day mm-hmm. in DuPage County. So that means that the systems couldn't be shut down. They had to go. They couldn't print out poll tapes, uh, which they do at the uh, from from these computers at the precinct. So we sort of get a precinct count before then. I guess those memory cards that are in each machine are then brought into the central headquarters to be put into yet another computer and and totaled up that way. But they couldn't even get that far because they couldn't shut down the results. So that means. Uh, well, first, how, how could this happen? Uh, you, you, we spoke uh, a little bit earlier. You told me that the same printing company that had been used uh, for years in DuPage was uh, was responsible for printing those Ender cards. So how did they suddenly get it wrong after... I mean, these are the same machines that have been used for, uh, what, 10 or 15 years out in DuPage, these Diebold op scanners. Right. Since, since 2002... That's a really good question, and we haven't gotten to the uh, the, the bottom of why um, it was not done correctly. All that we know is that they were just too thick this time. They were new, and uh, they, they just weren't working. And I don't know why the, the new Ender cards were not tested. Maybe when they were testing the machines, they were using older Ender cards mm. and didn't think to consider that the new Ender cards should be tried as well. Well, well, what does that mean as far as uh, the, the machines themselves could not be closed out? What, uh, d- does that open, uh, open this up to uh, you know, foul play, the fact that these machines are then, I guess, brought in manually to the central headquarters on Tuesday night? I'm not willing to go that far, certainly not yet. Uh, I, I think that this probably just was a simple mistake. Uh, it's a concern for several reasons. When you cannot print out the poll tape, then the election judges at the polling place cannot sign off on the results. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one of the, the steps that are taken in election, that you know that uh, a, a bipartisan team has actually looked over the tape, seen the results, and they're signing off on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's an important part of the process uh, and, and a part of the transparency. And then in Illinois, you also have to print off those tapes on election night, an extra set, and tape them in the doorway, in a, in a window or a glass doorway mm-hmm. of the polling place so that anyone who wants to during the night or the next day can come by and look at those tapes in the window. That was not uh, able to happen. And, and then... Yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah, I would say you essentially would want to do that so that people could uh, try to oversee, try to make sure that the numbers hadn't changed between how they were reported at the precinct and how they were were reported at the uh, county headquarters, uh, ultimately at the end of the night. And by the way, I wasn't saying that something did happen. I'm trying to say that that opens up this vulnerability uh, to something that yeah. could happen because they can't shut down the optical scanners before they put them in cars and start moving them to the uh, to HQ. I mean, if they wanted, I guess they could, you know, a bad guy could uh, scan additional ballots uh, in the car on the way over because they weren't able to tell the optical scanners, hey, end of election, you should accept no more ballots. Right. And these machines are equipped with batteries. And mm-hmm. so they really never turn off until you actually turn off the the battery just because you unplug them doesn't mean that they're not live and so uh gene kasmarek do you have any confidence in the results uh that are now being reported uh by dupage i i know you won a hundred percent i guess of the maybe there was write-ins in your race i don't know but otherwise i think you won a hundred percent uh as the only one on the on the ballot for the democratic uh, uh county clerk there in dupage but should voters have confidence that what is now being reported in the other races are accurate? I like to think that the results are correct, and I hope that they are. I do have questions. Are any of the uh, the hand-marked paper ballots uh, that are used in DePage, are they actually counted are any of them actually counted by hand to assure that the computer tabulators uh, counted any of them correctly on, ele- on Election Day? No, there would be no hand counting unless there was a recount. And even then, uh, the recounts usually are only for chosen precincts. They're not, um, uh, it's not a full recount. So we, and it's all only yeah. for one race. You mean this is like a, a post-election audit, and they choose one race to uh, check the paper ballots to make sure they're they're correct? Right, right. Uh, well, so therefore, even when the system works, we are essentially simply trusting, uh, I guess, these these computers or whoever programmed these computers because we don't bother to check the handmarked paper ballots to make sure that they were accurately tallied. Gene, is uh, this problem that occurred, never mind the, the, the uh, lack of, of uh, you know, verification of the results, but the concern about the, these ender cards and the machines themselves failing, is that a concern for November's election when we'll have many more voters, much more havoc uh, and, frankly, potential for mischief along with it on election night and the general election? 
Well, my guess is that the Ender cards won't be a problem in November. That might be the one thing that they do really well um, <laughs> in November. Uh, there seems to always be um, some type of problem going on in DuPage on election night. Um, I can't even imagine what it may be. Um, sometimes uh, the problems are, are not big, and then other times, like yesterday and last night, they they were very noticeable. Yeah. I, I, I've just got a minute or two here, uh, Gene, uh, so quickly. Uh, coincidentally, as, as it were, the on the ballot on Tuesday in DuPage, there was a referendum asking voters if the DuPage County Election Commission, which you have been uh, holding their feet to the fire for years, if the DuPage County Election Commission and the county clerk's office should be combined. Uh, first, was that measure uh, passed? Was that adopted? And if so, what does that actually mean if DuPage County clerk doesn't handle elections now, if that's left to the Election Commission, what does he or she actually do? Well, yes, the uh, the vote passed at 56%, and I'm very pleased. Um, that means if I win, mm-hmm. that eventually I would be administering the electoral process in DuPage County. Mm-hmm. And then I have as to hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the current uh, county clerk, a lot of people wonder what he does all day. Uh, he is um, paid by far the most of any co- county clerk in the state with the least amount of responsibility. Uh, he does not do any election work, and any county clerk would tell you that their number one responsibility uh, was administering the electoral process, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been doing that ever. Um, the county clerk sells marriage license. Mm-hmm and also um, calculates property taxes mm. and maintains the county records. So if this uh, referendum, which you say was passed, but it was only a, a, a it, it's not a mandate, right? It was just a question, right. uh, getting the opinion of the voters. Uh, right. So if they actually take bother to take the opinion of the voters, 56% of them, it's a pretty good victory, uh, that means a lot more work for you, Jean, if you are elected as county clerk. Right. I know that. And I figured that out <laughs> some time ago when I uh, first ran in 2014. I've been calling for the return of the election commission to the county clerk's office for maybe a decade now. And my concerns have mainly been a- about accountability. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do save money, and, and that's always a good thing. But my concerns have been about accountability. I like to be able to um, go to people and get things fixed and uh, not have this uh, protection of independence that it has right now. The the commission itself has the, Mm -hmm, uh, I got you. Well, be careful what you wish for, Gene. You may end up (laughs) winning this November. Uh, (laughs) And and then I'll be hounding you. Uh, Gene Kaczmarek, you can find... uh, uh, more on her and her campaign at Jean for DuPage County Clerk.net. That's Jean as in J E A N and the number four, Jean for DuPage County Clerk.net. And 
on the Twitters at Gene4DuPage. Uh, really appreciate you joining us uh, on short notice today, Gene. I know that uh, we, you're right. We do seem to talk a lot after elections in Illinois because a lot of stuff does seem to go wrong in the county of DuPage. Uh, 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 <laughs> yes. Appreciate that. Uh, good luck this November, and please stay in touch. Thank you so much, Brad. You bet. Okay, well, presuming the results being reported as of now are accurate, whether that's a safe presumption or not, I will leave to you. The results weren't so great in a number of key races that progressives had been pinning their hopes on. We'll talk about the results and see if there is at least some good news for progressives coming out of Tuesday's Illinois primary with the great Howie Klein of Down With Tyranny, next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, burning down the house. Uh, at least that's what a lot of Democrats and progressives may be hoping for this November. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I think uh, Howie Klein used to, uh, to represent David uh, David Byrne, if I recall correctly. We will ask him momentarily. Uh, well, Democrats turned out for the Illinois primary in higher numbers than the left-leaning state has seen for a midterm election in more than a decade. Deciding several hotly contested races and signaling the November election could be even tougher than usual for the GOP, at least according to AP. More than 1.2 million people voted in Tuesday's Democratic primary. That was nearly double the number who cast Republican primary ballots and a roughly 25 percent increase over 2010, which was the last time the Democrats had a competitive gubernatorial primary. 25% increase. That's a big increase in turnout. So, well, there's that. In several districts currently held by Republican congressmen, areas where Democrats have uh, sometimes struggled to field even one candidate, uh, in some of those districts, roughly half a dozen Democrats were seeking the nomination on Tuesday. Many of them were said to have been motivated by President Donald Trump. And his policies, one of the most conservative Democrats in Congress, however, narrowly won his primary in Illinois' third congressional district, at least reportedly, according to the unofficial results available today. Voters also picked a likely successor to longtime Democratic Congressman Louis Gutierrez, as well as the winners in primaries for governor, attorney general and legislative races. But for many progressives, it was not a good night in Illinois on Tuesday. Here to talk about the results and see if there is any good news for progressives today versus for the Democratic Party as a whole 
is our friend Howie Klein. He is the creator, founder, and uh, uh, chief bottle washer at downwithtyranny.com. He's also co-founder of the Blue America PAC, which is dedicated to raising small dollar donations to help elect progressives, not Democrats, but progressives to office. He also covers U.S. House races about as closely as anybody who I have ever known in all of my years on this beat. Howie Klein, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thanks. Nice to hear your voice coming through my phone. Yes. Well, I'm glad you could join us uh, today because not a very good day for progressives in Illinois. Am I right in that general assessment? Uh, In the general assessment, you are right, although... If they really enjoy David Byrne's music, they'll be happy to have found, to find out that his new album, his solo album, <laughs> this is his 11th solo album, yeah. which is called American Utopia, uh, it came in at number one. And not even a Talking Heads album, nor any of the other David Byrne albums ever came in the charts at number one, and American Utopia is number one, so that's really good news for David. <laughs> David, um, you know... You, That's you, it? That's the best you can come up with uh, for progressives is David Byrne's new album is doing well? Well, you started the show with it, but we could talk about legal <laughs> marijuana if you'd like to. Well, I will in a second, but just to confirm, you did used to... Did, did you sign David Byrne when you were a record executive? What, what am I remembering there? Seymour Stein, uh, who was my boss yeah. uh, he were, uh, at Sire Records. So before I became a president of Reprise Records, I worked at Sire for Seymour. He signed... Uh, the Talking Heads, and when he was trying to convince me to come and work for him, one of you know I had a plus and, uh, and minus column, and you know very close to the top of the plus column was if I came to work for Seymour, I'd be able to work for the Talking Heads. And so that, of course, uh, was all before you became a political blogger. I presume you are no longer representing or working with uh, David Byrne, despite that uh, plug you just gave to his new album. Right, I, I'm not uh, involved with the music business at all anymore. All right, well, we have sufficiently plugged uh, Mr. Byrne, uh, but let's go back to that. Uh, you said the uh, marijuana, that, that this is one of the good, before we get into some of these races here real quickly. Uh, so marijuana was, uh, the voters voted to legalize it. Is it in, uh, across the state, that, that well, referendum? They're going to try to pass something across the state. This was just Cook County, which okay. is a great deal of the state, and they had a referendum to legalize it. Yes, a simple yes or no. And ninety nine percent of the um, the precincts are counted right now, so it's not even a hundred percent. But it, nothing could change. It's uh, it was uh, sixty eight to thirty two percent win for the yes forces. All right. Well, that's some big, good big some good news for progressive uh, uh, forces in Illinois, but not elsewhere on the ballot. Um, yes, mostly not. But but you mentioned also earlier. Mm-hmm. Out, uh, Louis Gutierrez leaving and, and Democrats replacing him. And the person who is going to be uh, taking over is Chewy Garcia. Uh, so, you know, his, his name is Jesus Garcia, but uh, he's known as Chewy. And he had run against Rahm Emanuel some time ago mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, ran a credible race against Rahm. And he's very liked and uh, definitely a huge fan of um, Bernie Sanders, and Bernie is a big fan of his as well. So Bernie was supporting him, and he won a gigantic victory against uh, two credible candidates, and he t- came away with um, about 66.5% of the vote. Still not, still not completely counted yet, 
but was um, 97% counted. So that's, a, I mean, 66.4 in a race with two credible opponents is a, is a very big deal. And it's a big deal because this is Illinois' fourth congressional district, and uh, Congressman Gutierrez uh, suddenly announced he re- was retiring shortly before the filing deadline. Uh, and so a lot of people didn't have time to focus on this race, but Chewy got in and was uh, endorsed by Gutierrez. And as you said, he ran against your mortal enemy, Rahm Emanuel, for mayor back in 2015, but he lost at that point. But now this is a hugely Democratic district that Gutierrez uh, represents. Uh, Clinton, I think, won it by more than 70 points. Obama won it by more than 60 points. So this pretty much means that Chewy Garcia is uh, is going to Congress this November, correct? He can be measuring those drapes right now. I might also mention, by the way, uh, in the primary, um, uh, Bernie won it. Who who won it? Bernie Sanders. Oh, oh, that he won that district. I gotcha. Yeah, that this was a Bernie district. Uh, so there is some good news there. Uh, let's talk about the less than good news. But let me start with the uh, real quickly the governor's race because this one really bothers me. Uh, you've got uh, on the Democratic side you had uh, J. B. Pritzker uh, running against uh, Chris Kennedy, who is the uh, nephew of the late president, son of uh, the late Robert F. Kennedy, uh, and a state senator by the name of Dan Biss. But Pritzker here in the Democratic primary for governor. Spent some 70 million. He's a billionaire and he spent some 70 million dollars on his own campaign so far, as I understand it. Is there anything uh, for progressives to cheer about in what uh, appears to be a clear victory for Pritzker uh, winning the nomination for Illinois governor? No. I mean, the Republican in the race, who also is a billionaire and a huge spender, uh, Bruce Rauner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how much he spent, but he, I can find out for you. And he spent a huge amount of money as well. I mean, this is a battle between billionaires. I mean, it was both Pritzker and Rauner plus Kennedy were spending. Uh, you know, they're trying to buy the governorship. Uh, <clears throat> Rauner bought it the first time around. Uh, I, I might mention, by the way, that uh, Rauner, you know, was re- he, he had a can- he had a uh, he had a close race. I mean, a, a lot closer than anyone would have imagined. Uh, he only won by a few points. This is the he, primary uh, on the Republican side yeah. against Gene Ives, this very, very uh, right-wing. Uh, her, she ran ads that were racist and sexist and homophobic, uh, and she almost uh, defeated the sitting governor for the nomination on Tuesday, it looks like. Out of uh, 700,000 votes, she only uh, missed uh, by 20,000. There was 361,000 for him and 341,000 for her. Mm. So very, very close. Big shocker. We, while Pritzker won a very, uh, you know, he had 574,000 votes, so he's far ahead of Rauner already. Uh, and, you know, he's not my kind of Democrat. Uh, he's, you know, a, a little too establishment for me. And Daniel Biss, who, who the PAC that I run, Blue America, we, we endorsed Daniel. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've been endor- endorsing Daniel for years from, you know, he's someone who I've known personally for uh, over a decade when he was just a kid. And he's, he was in the state legislature, first in the, um, the lower house and then in the state senate. And we've been endorsing him all the way. He's really, really good Democrat. And he did well. He came in second in a large field of, uh, of Democrats mm-hmm. running. He beat Chris Kennedy, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. And he, again, a Bernie-type um, Democrat who doesn't take uh, PAC money or, you know, anything from corporations or any of the bad guys. And, and he showed that he, can, he could do pretty well. Now, Pritzker, 
as you said, I mean, that guy spent more money than an uh, unimaginable amount of money, and at yeah. a certain point, it's very, very hard to get away from that. Very hard to go up against that kind of thing. What do you, before we get into this, uh, the, the third district, which is really the one that a lot of progressives were watching on uh, on Tuesday, uh, what do you make of a contest like this? You got uh, you know progressives uh, rallying behind uh, Dan Biss and uh, some for Kennedy. Then this billionaire Democrat comes along, buys the race, running against another billionaire Republican. Uh, unclear to me how that billionaire Republican um, was able to win in you know very uh, Democratic Illinois in the first place four years ago, but. Now you have a less than ideal, less than progressive candidate in uh, in a guy like Pritzker for the Democrats. Uh, should Democrats rally behind uh, progressives rally behind that uh, that candidate, even though he's not necessarily uh, particularly progressive? They will. Uh, you know, I mean, ultra, you know, the one percent of the people who are really, really, you know, engaged, like li- like real, literally one percent max will not vote for him. But, every, but, you know, just regular, normal Democrats mm-hmm. who vote, they'll all go for him. I mean, he's going he's gonna to win this thing in a big way. And I don't think, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have, like, some kind of a terrible record that people, people could point to. Like someone like, for example, Lipinski in, in the 3rd Congressional District, where people will say, well, he voted anti-choice and he's anti-gay and he's anti-immigrant. And, you know, they have a, a whole... A list of things that he has a voting record on, and there may be people who won't vote for him for that reason. But Pritzker is a different kind of thing. He's not people. You know, there were uh, about six hundred fifty thousand people where he's not their first choice. But I would bet that uh, six hundred forty thousand of them will be voting for him on election day in November. Well, but you say that uh, Democrats will come around and and support Pritzker, but uh, but but Rauner, the Republican, won four years ago. So, I mean, what, what makes you so confident that uh, Dems will rally behind Pritzker? We, well, Rauner was in a different kind of race then, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know and, and with, a different, uh, with a different candidate as right. well. A weak candidate who had, you know, been attacked for four years and, and driven into the ground, and there was some corruption. He wasn't corrupt, but there was some corruption issues in his campaign, mm-hmm. and Rauner had enough money to be able to go after him on that effectively. But this is going to be a very, very different situation. Pritzker uh, is going to put Rauner on the um, on the defensive, not and Rauner won't be able to get his footing back and, atta- and attack. And now you've got half the Republican Party who hates Rauner. I mean, Rauner will have a harder time getting the Republicans to rally around him than Pritzker will have getting progressives to ra- mm-hmm. a rally around around him. So, I mean, I think, like I said, I, I think that most of the Daniel Biss fans and virtually all of the Chris Kennedy fans are going to be out there for uh, Pritzker on um, on Election Day. Is it uh, good news or bad news that uh, Rauner uh, narrowly defeated that uh, far right-wing uh, Ives? Is, is, is that good or bad news for Democrats and, and for progressives? Would, would Democrats have rather run against Ives uh, this fall? Yes. Okay. Democrats would have rather run against her because she's insane, and there are, <laughs> there are a lot of Republicans who would not vote for her. I mean, I just said that Rauner is going to have trouble, but she would have much more trouble getting just sort of mainstream Republicans. Now, you know, I know you want to talk about the third district, yeah. but we're going to talk about the Democratic side. But on the Republican side, 
the Republican Party was was mortified because they only had there was only one person running. Normally, in a district like that, which is so overwhelmingly Democratic, a Republican might not even run. But this time, a crazy vanity candidate ran, uh, named Arthur Jones. Yeah. And <clears throat> the only thing that people know about Arthur Jones, which is the only thing you need to know, is that he was one of the leaders of the Illinois Nazi Party. Right. Now we have not someone who's kind of Nazi-ish, we have an actual Nazi. Yes. And the Republican Party disowned him. They literally told voters, Republican voters, do not vote for this guy. I mean, you know the big joke yesterday about how Trump's uh, national security team was warning him, do not congratulate Putin. <laughs> yes. And they gave him a card, and all the card said was, do not congratulate Putin, and Trump got on the phone with Putin and immediately congratulated him. A, a friend of mine uh, who's in Congress uh, now was at one point uh, an attorney, and he had, as his partner uh, had been years before a, a Trump attorney. And this is this, so he told me this story, which was hilarious at the time before Trump was president. That partner of his, an attorney, said to him that as an attorney for Trump, they would be in the in the car driving to the courthouse, and the attorney would say to Trump, whatever happens, do not say XYZ. Do not say to the judge XYZ. Right. And then they get to court, and the, and the judge would say, can you please state your name? And Trump would say, let's cut the crap and get right to the main point XYZ. <laughs> and when I was laughing so much when Trump congratulated Putin, and I was thinking, are they, are they going to send him a note saying, do not call <laughs> Arthur Jones and congratulate him? <laughs> yes, do not congratulate the Nazi. We'll see if he does. Yeah, you're right. This is an actual Nazi. Uh, and while the Republican Party has sort of disowned him, they also did not come up with anyone of their own. They did not come up with their own candidate to run in the third district. So let's talk about who he's going to who Arthur Jones, the Nazi, is actually going to be running against. Uh, this is this is that anti uh, anti gay, anti immigrant, anti uh, health care. Uh, Congressman, you referred to Dan Lipinski. He's been serving in Congress since, I think, 2002 or something like that. Long time, sort of inherited the seat from his father, if I recall. Uh, and um, Democrats uh, like yourself and like his uh, progressive opponent, Marie Newman, have said that Dan Lipinski is for all intents and purposes, uh, a full-on Republican. Well, he's not a full-on Republican, but he does tend to vote with Republicans on key, crucial issues. For example, he was one of the Democrats who voted against Obamacare. Mm -hmm. he, he votes literally against uh, equality for gay people. He's so anti-choice that the Republican anti-choice organizations, the Susan B. Anthony list, not only did they support him, they spent... Over a hundred, I think they spent one hundred and fifty thousand dollars supporting him. I mean, this is a very, very serious uh, right wing candidate, and right wing groups know that, and they gave him uh, a lot, a lot of support, both in terms of uh, using their list for him and and spending money on him. And so, how is it that Marie Newman, who I uh, the progressive uh, challenger to Lipinski, who I think did uh, Blue America Pack uh, endorse uh, Marie Newman in that race? We have endorsed her in a very, very big way, but I will also say that we have been supporting uh, candidates against um, Lipinski for over a decade. I mean, and finally to see someone almost pull it off. She was very, very close. She ran a great campaign, 
But towards the end of the campaign, when it looked like Lipinski was going to sink, um, Nancy Pelosi and the DCCC came in on his side, which confused a lot of Democrats who were thinking, well, if Nancy Pelosi is for him, he must not be as bad as everyone's saying he is. And, and that, that hurt um, Marie very, very much. Why is or uh, why was uh, Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the party uh, throwing in for this guy if he's such a right winger, even though he's got a D by his name? You just said the answer in your question. Th- that he's got a D by his name. That's it, and that's all it is. Yeah, well, Marie Newman has a D by her name, and we knew several weeks out that whoever won this seat was going to be running against an actual Nazi in a district that was won by Hillary Clinton uh, uh, in 2016 by something like 15 points. So I I don't understand why they would uh, choose that right-wing D over the much more progressive uh, D in Marie Newman. Yes, because they... uh they will support um, their incumbents, no matter what. They've done this before. I mean, you, you know uh, Donna Edwards, of course. Mm-hmm. The first time that she ran, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer were raising money for her in the district. Not for her, I'm sorry. They were raising money for the corrupt conservative Democrat in that district, a guy named Al Wynn. And, uh, you know, they, they, they do that for all of their incumbents. And I'll tell you something. Uh, when uh, So the first time Al Wynn... Al, Al Wynn won, and then the next day, uh, Donna Edwards started the campaign for her for the next uh, the next cycle, and then she won. And once she won, Nancy Pelosi tried to make it up to her by giving her some very very plum positions and uh, letting her pick her own uh, her own committee. And Nancy became extremely solicitous. Uh, of uh, of Donna Edwards. I mean, that's just the way it works in, in Congress. I mean, the, the leaders can will never take a uh, take a stand against even the worst of the worst uh, Democrats. They they feel they it's their duty to stand by their caucus. And and you know, I I felt a little bad for Nancy because in terms of policy, she's you know very much where Marie Newman was. But she's the leader of the party, and she felt she had to, and that she had no choice but to support uh, Lipinski, even though she and Lipinski vote differently on almost everything. I've got uh, just a minute or so here, and I know we talk about this every time uh, you and I chat, and we probably will continue to do so all the way through November as, as, uh, as we continue to chat. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm all in favor of uh, taking on uh, Democrats uh, with progressives, you know, primarying these guys, uh, of course, guys like uh, Lipinski, uh, but, you know, even less right wing Democrats. Uh, I'm all in favor of, of primaries. I'm not one of these folks who say, oh, that's going to weaken the candidate. Take them on in the primary. After the primary, however, and particularly when we are in the midst of what I describe as a national emergency with Donald Trump, uh, shouldn't Democrats rally behind even someone as far right wing as Lipinski simply because he does have a D by his name? He may not vote with the Democrats all the time, but if he wins, it's going to help the Democrats get back a majority. And that will, in turn, in theory, help us finally uh, deal with this uh, Donald Trump national emergency that we're all facing? Uh, there's more than uh, one way to look at that, and, and uh, everyone has to make up their own mind. Uh, Brad, when you're as old as I am, uh, you'll probably uh, never want to you know, choose between the lesser of two evils again. 
And for me, I gave up, uh, you know, I spent my life choosing between the lesser of two evils. And then at a certain point, I was old enough to start getting um, Social Security and Medicare. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to stop voting for the lesser of two evils. I'm going to either vote for someone who I think is great and I want to support, or I'm going to not vote. I understand your position. I understand why you and most most Democrats uh, feel that they um, that they have to do it, especially at this very dangerous time where we have to combat Trump. But um, I don't I don't feel that there's any chance in the world that this Nazi is going to is going to win. I mean, there were Republicans who didn't vote for Rauner because you have to get a ballot. Either you get a Democrat or a Republican ballot in Illinois for the mm-hmm. primary. And there were Republicans who were pulling Democratic in, in that district, who were pulling Democratic uh, ballots so that they could vote for Lipinski. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. There, there, there's not a chance in the world that uh, Arthur Jones is, is going to be in Congress. None, none. And, and I feel uh, very, very certain that Lipinski is going to win by a landslide. It could be Lipinski's biggest election in his whole career because now he's going to have republicans voting for him as well uh, you know of course i would like to think you're right uh as far yeah. as uh, that the no- right. take, well, my, take my word for it well you know i took your word for it back when you said there was no way that uh, donald trump was going to win over hillary clinton either well you know better than most people uh-huh about uh, election cheating, and, uh, you know, I wasn't taking that into account. What I was taking into account is how many more people Hillary was going to get to vote for her than Trump, and, and I was right by three million are, votes. And, and, and are you taking into account, I, got, I know, i got to get out, but are you taking into account uh, what you described as election cheating when you're so certain that the Nazi will not win? I, I think that the Russians have more in mind than uh, getting a, getting the Nazi in office. <laughs> you you always toss in the Russians at the end of the show, and I don't have time to respond. But uh, that's what our next thrilling episode will be like with uh, with Howie Klein, uh, who I look forward to talking to with again in the future. Uh, check out his work as ever at downwithtyranny.com. Follow all of the House races from a real progressive perspective. DownWithTyranny.com and on the Twitters at DownWithTyranny. Howie, always great talking to you, my friend. Good to talk to you, too. Bye-bye, Brad. Bye-bye. Okay, we got to get out. We're running late, so my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. And to my guest today, Gene Kaczmarek of DuPage County, Illinois, and, of course, Howie Klein of Down With Tyranny. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad blog. Thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 